This is Maurice Philogene, and welcome to the Try Life Farm podcast. Well, you may not believe it, but I've been an actor. I've tried out for the NFL, been a street cop, federal agent. I worked my way up the military chain of command to the rank of lieutenant colonel. I was also an executive at a global consulting firm, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate in the United States. I've started developing on a Mediterranean island, and to boot, I've traveled to 100 countries over 300 times, and generally all this stuff at the same time. No, I'm not trying to be everywhere. I'm not trying to do everything. What I was trying to do, and I'm still trying to do, is to try life on, to plug into planet and earth as intended, and to fill my life book with experiences and relationships, and not just accept the status quo. So what we're gonna do on this podcast is introduce you to the mindset, the skill set, the soul set, the approach that is Try Life On, and expose you to the people who've been doing it just like me, their tools, their tips, their tactics to trying life on, because we all can try life on in our own way. So sit back, relax, let's go for a ride. Let's go try life on. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Maurice. Welcome back to another edition of the Try Life On podcast. Today, I'm speaking with my man, Brian Bogert, very, very motivated and energetic human. I love him, man, because let's be honest, we all have trash that is piling up in our life. They are root triggers of reasons why we are not taking steps to go try life on, why we are not taking steps to start a business, why we're not taking steps to start a family, go to that place, do that thing. And if you ignore it, if you ignore those root triggers, not only does it affect your mindset, but it just continues to pile up over and over and over again, such that you can never get to the root of a problem and rewire your mind to stop reacting the way that it does. And that's what Brian Bogart is all about. He has helped countless people take out the trash by expertly digging into the root causes of triggers. Actually, during the during the show, there was a lot that he said that made me think about why it is I do a lot of the things that I do, whether they're positive or they're negative. But if we are trying to get to a particular lifestyle, if we are trying to get to a particular feeling about life on a day-to-day basis, we do have triggers. We do have things from our childhood that affect us. We do have things that we are unconsciously biased about or things that make us feel a little bit less confident or overconfident than, than, than we should be. And that was the, the nature of the, the conversation today. He is a high-performing individual. I, I love his energy. He's worked with countless executives, business owners, top performers, all industries across the world, people who suffer from burnout, lack of motivation, and even people who have business troubles because of, let's say, their emotional triggers or things that are going on in their personal and professional lives. And you got to be honest with yourself. You have them. We all have them. I have them for sure. And just even in the conversation, I started to realize some of those triggers that caused me to do certain things that I want to correct. So, but if we want to get our mindset right, and if we want to try life on, we have got to take out the trash. That is a conversation with my man, Brian Bogert. I think you will love it. Um, He's been seen on ABC, NBC, CBS, Forbes, Fox, even the Learning Channel. He's an amazing human. Hope you like the conversation. And if you have any feedback, please send me a note, maurice at trylifeon.com. If you have any suggestions on who I could bring onto the show, similar to Brian, that might have an impact on your life, I want to know about it. Send me a note. But for now, I hope Brian does impact you in a way that's meaningful. So please sit back, relax, and listen to my conversation with Brian Bogart. Welcome back, everybody, to the Try Life On podcast. Today, I have my man, 
Brian Bogert on. There is a reason this amazing human and individual is on the podcast today because he helps people do what I always talk about, which is making our extraordinary ordinary and not reverting to status quo. Brian is an amazing human performance and human behavioral uh, coach in many ways, but I'm going to let him introduce himself and walk us through a lot of the things that he does to help people try life on. My man, Brian, welcome to the show, brother. Maurice, it's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, yeah, so happy that Steve connected us. Yeah. I will tell you that, uh, you know, to tell you who I am, I'm a yep. husband and father first, and I am just a human who is fascinated by the human experience, human connection, and human behavior. And the things that we can do to put ourselves in better positions to connect at deeper levels. Reality of it is it's the story of disconnection that started me on this entire path. And I have to start here because though this is not who I am and does not define me, it is an element that uh, certainly will bring perspective. Mm. I'm going to ask you and everybody who's watching, just close your eyes for just one second. And yeah. I want you to imagine going to a shopping center, breezing through the checkout line. You just needed one thing. It all worked out. You walk out the door, you feel the pep in your step. You look up and you feel the sun warmth on your skin and you feel the breeze blowing through your hair and you just know it's going to be a great rest of your day. You get up to your car and you go to fumble through your pockets to grab your keys to unlock and get going. And all of a sudden you pause and turn your head left and see a truck barreling 40 miles an hour right at you with no time to react. Go ahead and open your eyes. That's where this portion of my story begins. My mom, my brother, and I went to our local Walmart to get a one inch paintbrush. And as we were headed back to the car, anyone who's known me for more than about four seconds knows that I talk fast, I walk fast, I have a lot of vigor for life. So it wasn't a surprise to them that I was the first one to the car. My mom and brother were three or four feet behind me, and this was back in the days before there was key fobs. So I had to wait for my mom to literally stick her hand in her purse, grab the keys, stick it in the door, turn it so that we could go on our way. And while that was happening, a truck pulls up in front of the store, parks, and the driver and middle passenger get out. Passenger all the way to the right feels the truck starting to move backwards. So Maurice, he did what any one of us would do. He scooted to put his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Combination of shock and force threw him up on the steering wheel, up on the dashboard, and before you know it, he's wow. catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at us with no time to react. Wow. So I'm standing next to my mom's car. We think my hand was on the handle. He went up under the median, up under the tree in the median, hit our car, knocked me over, ran over me diagonally, tearing my spleen, leaving a tire track scar on my stomach, and continuing on to completely sever my left arm from my body. Wow. The next thing my mom heard was my brother's voice saying, Mom, Brian's arm is over there. And he pointed 10 feet across the parking lot. Wow. Fortunately, fortunately for me, I have to honor this one person. Yep. There was a nurse that walked out of the store right when this took place. And she saw the literal life and limb scenario that was happening right in front of her. Now, I said for years that I was forever indebted to this woman for the choice she made in that moment to come save me versus go on with her day. And when I reconnected with her for the first time after 30 years this last year, I learned that she had a friend with her that day who was also a nurse who did not stay. And mm -hmm. I want to be really clear. There's no malice, nothing negative towards her friend that turned. I only want to honor the power of the choice that this woman made because she came over and stopped the bleeding on the main wound and instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside, grab a cooler, and fill it with ice. So she not only saved my life, but she had my limb on ice within minutes to give me she a fighting chance of having a limb. Had she not yep. done one of those, or both yep. of those, Maurice, I either would not be here with you today, or I'd be here with you today with a cleaned up stump. That's wow. just the reality. 
when and when what was i'll this? pause and say real fast yeah. is just i know my story is extreme but mm. what i want everybody to hear is that every single one of us has a unique story you have a unique story so what's important is that we pause long enough to extract the lessons we can from our lives and experiences so we become intentional in how we apply those moving forward we all have the ability to do that and we all have the ability to tap into the collective wisdom of other people's lessons to shorten our own curve to learning wow but how do you get to, sorry two things right away first of all <laughs> she's a hero yes I'm, I'm a retired street cop and retired military guy i know heroes when i hear or see of them she's a hero yep. i have nurses in my family so i i totally know the mindset of it secondly when you said 30 years so when when did that happen august 10th 1992 we just passed the 30th anniversary and I met her for the first time ever, other than obviously during the trauma that I don't remember, right. um, within two hours of the 30 year anniversary on the 30th anniversary. My mom found her two days before and that was a gift this year, which was really, really special. Mama went and did it intentionally to, to, to surprise I've you? been looking for her for 10 years. And so my mom and I were going to do something special for the 30th. Our whole family did. But she said, you know, one of the greatest gifts I think I could give him is the reconnection with the woman who saved his life. Because she knew how important it was to me. So it was uh, it was pretty magical this year. Uh, I, I can imagine. What did that feel like when you saw her? When you saw her? So I didn't meet her in person. I talked to her on the phone for the first okay. time. And that was such a heavy and busy day, to be honest, in a, in a variety of ways that was also being celebrated. Mm. Uh, that and I wasn't expecting it. And so I only created 15 minutes of space that day for that interaction <laughs> intentionally, because I was really in such a process of reclaiming my own health, my relationship with my body and all these things over this last period of my life so that I can create the freedoms and do the things that I want to continue to do for the rest of my life. And I, I was going to honor the fact that that day, the last part of the day was literally all about focusing on my body giving me the things I needed gotcha. to feel good. And so I spent 15 minutes with her and it was, it was healing. It was reconnecting. It was overwhelming. It, it, it was magical, truly. And then I didn't talk to her again for about two more months, but I've since that time now had a couple of zoom meetings with her and it's very obvious why we've been reconnected. And so I'm very, very, very grateful for the opportunity to have started to build a relationship with someone that, Truly is the reason I'm here. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that you are here and that you survived that traumatic incident. But it clearly set you on some kind of journey, whether it's mm -hmm. self-exploration self or understanding life better or what have you. What, what has happened since then? And how did you move kind of into the space that I'm hoping you will talk yeah. to people about a little bit? Because I believe in it. Well, I believe in high performance. I believe in coaching. I believe yeah. in mentors. What, what was it about that time frame and how did you push into the space you are now? And if you would kind of explain that to us. Yeah. And I'm going to hit the tops of the waves on this because there's yeah. a, as you can imagine, over a course of 30 years, a lot. Yeah. But okay. what I'll tell you is that the first thing that happened when I came out of the hospital was I learned very early not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but instead moved by what I could do with it. Perspective hit me in between the eyeballs because as I was feeling sorry for myself at seven, we would have families coming up to us that their kids were in the ICU next to me and they'd be laying in the hospital bed, not knowing if they're gonna live for another 30 days because of the terminal illness that they're battling. Mm. So after I knew my life was secure and I was able to have that perspective, it shifted me quickly. But then I come out of the hospital 
and I'm, I have a teddy bear between my sling and my arm because it has to be at 90 degrees. And of course I would get asked, what happened to your arm? And everybody, right, is expecting everybody. a seven-year-old, eight-year-old boy to say, man, I crashed my bike. I flew off the swing. I jumped off the jungle gym, right? And I'd look at them deadpan in the eye and I'd say, I was one over by a truck and my arm was torn off. I got really used to seeing Jaws hit the ground, right? And I also got a lot of immediate pause and turned to my parents for validation. They didn't believe my own story. It was my truth. But what I was being conditioned very early to not even understand for years later is how much that was affecting me because I wasn't being seen and understood and I wasn't being connected, right? right. And, right. and then the second thing that would happen is they would say, hey, these are all the things you can't do because they'd start viewing me through the lens of what they'd be viewing themselves through if they were in my situation and immediately putting limitations on me. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to fit within anybody's parameters or limitations. And so that next 13 years of my life, though lots happened, the pattern that existed was I just armored up and I didn't even know it. You see, I shut off physical pain because it exceeded my ability to cope. And what I started to recognize is that if I create a mental narrative and I have mental toughness, because that's what the world tells us we need, right? <laughs> yep. This is my narrative. Brian's good. Brian's strong. Brian's capable. He can do anything himself. And dude, I crushed it and I broke lots of limitations and I impressed a lot of people. But really, clearly, I was proving it to myself more than anything. Mm -hmm. When I'm 20, I re-break my arm in a snowboarding injury. I almost lose it again. I go 10 months with it hanging by my side. Seven surgeons who were afraid to touch me because of the medical malpractice. And ultimately, it's a very big success story. But here's what happened. Yeah. I got into one of the most depressed states I'd ever been in in my life for a couple of reasons. One, I never realized the level of support I really had back at home when I was seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old being guided through this process by my parents. Now a, I'm 20. In a good way. Say that again. In a good way. Huge way. Yes, okay. my parents yeah, yeah. are phenomenal, uh, truly, okay. like yep. again. But now at 20, I'm experiencing it by myself, not with the support around me. Going through a lot of the same things I had to do when I was seven and eight, like learn how to button my pants again with one arm and cook and survive. And I got extremely depressed and I got very, very lonely because here's what happened. I had lots of friends, lots of friends, brother. Mm -hmm. Nobody was there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not mad at them. Here's what I realized. They believed my narrative. Brian's good. Brian's strong. Brian's capable. He can do anything himself. And oh, by the way, here's what they added onto it that I never said. If he needs the help, he'll ask for it. Mm. What I realized in that moment is one of the most vulnerable, disconnected, lonely periods in my life. I didn't have the courage to ask for help. So that shifted my focus to vulnerability and authenticity in this next period of time. Because I'm like, how do I bond? How do I create? But here's the thing. What it exposed, brother? is that I always believed that getting my arm ripped off, that that seven-year-old story was my transformation story. That was my victory story. It just created a trash can and a container that I just shoved a ton down With in. Everything in that one. like, And just... it was a simple, mere broken arm that yeah. exposed all the trash I'd been carrying for a long time. Wow. All the moments that I was feeling like garbage. But at that moment, I didn't know how to escape it, right? Wow. So what did I do? I realized that I'm lonely, I'm isolated, I'm disconnected. Well, okay, how am I gonna go do that? Well, I didn't have a good model for what human connection looked like. I didn't have a good model for what these healthy relationships looked like. And so what did I do? I bought into the narratives of the world, which were go chase the what? 
what house, what car, what amount of money, money what amount of yep. yes, right? And yep. dude, I crushed that too, okay? And I don't say that to impress. I say it to impress upon the point because I think what I'm clear on now is that I was just hoping that if I built some life of significance, something that people would admire, that maybe they'd just want to be around me. Maybe I'd have more people in my life. Maybe I'd have better connections. And trust me, there was a lot of people around me and it started to become really clear how many of them wanted something from me, not for yep. me. Yep. Right. So I wake up at 27. I have the house. I have the car. I have the money. We built a $15 million business with yep. partners. We yep. were crushing it. And I realized that it cost me the ultimate expense, which was who I was. You see, I'd been you were chasing, what? Well, you were chasing the societal definitions at that point. I was point. chasing what? When I was really in need of who? Right? Because how much of the societal definitions are, hey, you can get validation and connection by performing. Absolutely. But do more, do more, do more, all this hustle culture. And so I'm still carrying all this trash. I'm still feeling like garbage, even though I'd broken my arm seven years earlier and started to put me on this other path. Mm -hmm. I started to then realize like, okay, the model that I've been chasing isn't working. And that's when I hired my first coach. And that's what the beginning elements. Of that was the beginning of it. Yeah. And then we can unpack other pieces. But that context is like really what led to me because over 17, 20 years later, I'm 27, 20 years later, I was still lonely, isolated, disconnected, and feeling like garbage because I hadn't effectively learned how to identify and take out the trash from my past. And that's the singular thing keeping us all stuck. Yep, it, it is. And I'll, I'll break it down from who I think is listening's perspective. You got the corporate guy and gal who is doing exactly what you talked about, which is societal path. I'll get validation if I get that next title. It's not even necessarily about the money as much as the, the attention for receiving that level of title or whatever it is. Yet they don't even want it. But- that's what we've been in my in my world. I say twenty years of formal schooling. That's what it taught us that we got to go out there. We got to compete. We have to get the title. We have to get the larger salary. We got to get the 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 house with the two and a half kids, white picket fence, and a dog, the the three cars, etc. How do you break out? And actually, kudos to you because you're the first person who articulated it that way to me that I've ever heard. How do you help someone? break out of that mindset because it truly is something that people have been growing up with for 10, 20, 30, even 40 years, and they know it to not be the right path, but they can't get off of it. Where, what do they do? Well, we definitely go through a process of helping people raise kind of through the five pillars of what we call taking out your trash, which are awareness, ownership, flipping the lid, unpacking, and moving. Mm. Now, we'll break those down in really, really basic senses. But here's what I ultimately learned, right? And it was a few more years before I learned the true depth of it. Because though I at 27 identified it, I still was focused in action for probably another five years, right? Intellectual narrative, primarily, because what I didn't realize until I was laying on the couch with my daughter one day, and she wrapped her arm around my neck and kissed me on the cheek after we were playing and I broke down in tears. Is that when I shut off physical pain, because it exceeded my ability to cope, I also shut off emotional pain spiritual pain, right? Every kind of pain I shut off and I wasn't experiencing emotion. So I told you I was focused on vulnerability and authenticity for human connection, but human connection without emotion isn't really human connection. So what I started to realize is that we have intellectual and emotional narratives, spiritual narratives, and they're all deeply conditioned into us. And to your point, the world has not taught us how to think 
And they certainly have not taught us how to feel. And so what I started to recognize is that I had to rewrite a little bit of my recipe for success because I used to think that it was mental toughness alone and stress equaled growth. I'm mentally tough and the more I do and the more I tax my system, the more I'm going to grow my capacity. And that served to be true in lots of respects. But if what I'm also admitting now looking back is that about every nine, 10 or 12 months, I'd have a crash and burn moment and had mm -hmm. to figure out how to rebuild myself every single period. So when I realized that I wasn't feeling and I really wasn't thinking, I was operating an autopilot, just like so many people say, I have no influence or control over my destinies. Life is fate. Our minds process 11 million bits of information per second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. It's back there, yeah. Right, it's, we're only consciously aware of about 40. And that's not to mention how many people have literally shut off the feeling at the neck and they only live up here in the head. Mm -hmm. You see the highest performers are those that understand their intellectual and their emotional narratives and how to balance and regulate between the two. Identifying trash in those five pillars are how we start to rewrite those narratives and start to identify the gaps that exist. So for example, I just got done in an intensive with a client, right? Mm -hmm. He's worked in the professional training industry for years. He's been an athlete for years. At 31 years old, for the first time, he realized that the narrative that he had adopted in his life was the narrative that he inherited by seeing his father react and throw bats in the dugout when he was an eight-year-old standing on the plate. The narrative around where anger and performance and all my love and connection comes from is through the validation of my father. And when he acts this way, I retreat in this way, but I also have to outperform to make sure that the rest of the world sees me because that's how I learned to receive love. And that right? translates into the rest of his life and his Every action. other area, scarcity around money, fear of and lack of worth and asking for demonstrating value to get his clients, the intimacy in his personal relationship. The reality of it is, is when I say it's the one thing that keeps us stuck, the trash from our past, it truly is because it impacts our health, our relationships, our businesses, all of it. And it's things that are so buried deep because every time the world's told us we just need to push through and show up, what do we do? We push down that trash even more. Yep. And so the more we push down, the heavier it gets, the stinkier it gets. And oh, by the way, when we get reactionary to anything, whether it's defensive, protective, anger, aggression, shame, I don't care what emotion it is. If we react to an external stimulus, it's because it's us tripping on our trash. Ourselves, our trash, internal, internal. internally. Because our trash is literally our emotional triggers. Those things that were ingrained and conditioned in us, it's those things that when your spouse tells you that you loaded the dishwasher incorrectly and you react in anger, it has nothing to do with your spouse, everything to, to, how to do with how your grandpa looked at when you were four. Right. It's these deeply ingrained patterns that truly get in us in a cellular level. So until we raise our level of awareness, we cannot be intentional around it. And I'll tell you, I was blind for a long time myself. I dealt with shame and it was yep. only 18 to 24 months ago that I identified that I was dealing with anger buried so deep it could barely be excavated. Almost cost me everything I care about, my wife and my kids, because I was blind to it. Wow. How can I do something about it if I'm blind to it? Yep. That's why awareness is you always don't even know step. it. You don't even know it's there. I have a question for you. You, you yeah. really, you, you just sparked something in me that I try and get across to people, but I don't articulate it the way that you do and it really hit me you you talked about well anytime you quote a data point like it it 
the transference of information is easier, right? You said we process, what did you say? We process how many? 11 million bits of information per second. The brain is a beautiful thing. So we've processed 11 million bits of information. And a lot of it, most of it is probably subconscious. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I happenstance on the whole reticular activating system, our radar, our ability to perceive things. Nowadays, when I do work, anything that touches my happiness centers of, I want to be in the Mediterranean, I like helping people, hence me being a street cop, being in the military. Now I do a bunch of stuff in affordable housing and overseas. I pick up on it. I never picked up on it before because now the way you're talking about it, I wonder if my trash and my narrative of Mo being the kid, the Haitian kid who grew up in inner city Boston, all I knew was to be an NFL football player. I tried three times because i that's what I had in my head growing up. And eventually I grew, I had some personal growth. And now I see things that I could never have fathomed seeing when I was yeah. younger because I'm a, I'm available for it Correct. now. Could you just talk on that a little bit? Because I, I think what is how people struggle a lot is things are around them that would be beneficial to them, but they literally just cannot see it, feel it, smell it, touch it, yeah. or what have you. And when you said that data point about the conscious and subconscious or relying on our trash bin, that, that hit it for me. So maybe you can just touch on that a bit and how that could help people yeah. if they can widen a bit. Yeah, so I just told you a second ago that I suffered deeply from shame, okay? Yep. How did shame impact me? Shame impacted literally my health. It impacted my relationship with my wife. It impacted my business. But I had to learn that shame moved through my body in different ways, right? So one of the areas that we pay attention to, and this is typically in the unpacking stage when we're learning to move, is that, these emotions that we deal with move in our body. They move through our world, those things that trigger them. Mm. And that's the only way we can move through them is if we understand the patterns that connect. So for me, right, I dealt with shame. What did that look like? Well, I talk fast and I have a loud voice, right? And I have a big energy. So in my prior life in risk management, I can't tell you how many times I'd be sitting in a business meeting with multiple executives with a multi-billion dollar client and my partner or someone would lean over and say, shh, Brian, you can't talk that fast or you can't talk that loud. Immediately, I feel the element of judgment, right? And I start shrinking into myself because I could react and get angry in that moment or I can retreat. And then all of a sudden I'm feeling the heaviness, okay? That's one way shame moved through my body. But another really common thing that would happen is my wife would say something like this. Hey, babe, what do you want to do with the kids this weekend? Mm. And my shame trash would cause me to hear it this way. Hey, babe, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father recently. So what are you going to do to make up for it this weekend? Yes. And all of a sudden, what my wife said, which, again, was a totally innocent, soft, loving engagement, is now met with armor defense reaction. And I'd get angry and I'd rattle off the 10 things I've done in the last four days to show her that I was a good husband and father when that wasn't even what she was asking. Right? So how often is something that's literally what we want? All I wanted was connection from my wife, but I was feeling challenged in the things that I identified as my greatest identity, which is a husband and father, but I also wasn't causing myself to see it clearly because of my trash, because my trash right. believed, right, that I'm being challenged, that I'm getting defensive. And again, so it's really important. So again, where we go, it's aware, it's own, it's flip the lid, it's unpack and it's move. But own is really, really important because what we have to do in those moments is to recognize that your trash, your triggers are trash, but your trash 
is typically not your fault. It's inherited. It's behaviorally conditioned. It's generationally patterned. Mm -hmm. It's environmentally absorbed. But again, it becomes your responsibility once you become aware of it. We create lots of damage that's not necessarily malicious, right? When I was angry in my house, it was never malicious. I would never want to hurt my wife and my kids. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that the edge I was carrying because of the armor to protect myself, the one thing I thought was protecting myself was also the thing that was disconnecting me further and incrementally crushing me over time. And so why it's so important to recognize this is because I, I just got off a call in our community last week, a lady who just joined our community. She's been running a side business for 15 years and she can't understand why purchasing tens of thousands of dollars of coaching and strategies and tactics on better sales and better systems, which by the way, are all important. We're not translating to her being able to leave these two steady paying jobs. Mm. In the course of a rapid fire coaching session, we identified that she's dealing with a deep, deep, deep level of shame that was impacting her self-worth and not making her believe that she could actually step out and build a business without two steady incomes. And she was being hit on the top side of shame, which is you've got two steady paying jobs in a downturning economy when so many people are not employed. So who are you to try to leave a, a, a good thing? Right. <laughs> Right, comparatively. Right, like shame gets us on both sides, which is why it's so hard. And I say it's the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing because it presents itself as fear, guilt, scarcity, shame, perfectionism, control, all these things that we can't identify. But in this case, the one thing that kept her from doing it was the trash from her past. Yeah. How do you help people let it go? How do you get rid of the trash? How do you clear the bin? Because yeah. inherently, uh, this is like a coaching session for me, just talking to you. Inherently, everything you're saying makes sense to me. I still have certain pieces of trash in there. We all it's do. hard to get rid of it on your own. And I, I may not even recognize it as trash, though. That's, that's the other issue. Bingo. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Ha okay. Maybe let me rephrase the question then. And I know it's kind of, this is a lot for just like a podcast chat, but how, do you, how, do you, how can you help people recognize it? Or what can people do to help recognize the, the, the trash that's there that they weren't even aware is right there and holding yeah. them back. Yeah. So the first thing that I want people to ask themselves, yourself included, is who was the last person that made you feel like garbage? The second question I want you to ask yourself is, what did that feel like in my body? Mm. Just pause for a minute and pay attention to that. Because the reality of it is, is it does not matter who it was. It could be your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband. It could be your boss. It could be a random person at Starbucks. If someone causes you to feel like garbage in any way, we could sit there and say, well, it's on that person. Maybe. But again, we're reacting to an external stimulus. Yeah. So part of ownership is how do I view myself and my body and what I'm feeling through an objective and non-judgmental lens? so that I can assume ownership for anything I'm feeling inside for just a second so I can seek perspective, right? Often if you go to who was the last person that made me feel like garbage, people will say, oh man, like, what well, was my wife? Oh, well, what happened? Well, we were talking about this and she asked me about when I was gonna be home and I was overwhelmed with work and I got overloaded and I got really reactionary. And then I started to get, I just felt yucky inside. Like she was attacking me and judging me. Oh, okay, what did that feel like in your body? Most people can't go there. Oh, it felt like anxiety. No, 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 no. What did it 
feel like in your body? What happened in your body? Well, I started to feel a little heaviness in my chest. Okay, what else? I started to sweat a little bit. Okay, Uh, what else? Well, my heart started to race. Okay, now you've identified three physiological things that you can identify in yourself to start paying attention to patterns around when you feel like garbage. And if you feel like garbage in your life, it's probably because you're tripping on your trash. Because if you had nothing to fear, nothing to be judged for, nothing to worry about externally, and you were centered and clear in knowing who you were and what you stand for, then why would anything or anyone ever make us feel like garbage if we're so centered and clear? We're carrying trash, and I am too. Because there is no final destination, there's only constant evolution of self, which is why we teach people to flip the lid in their cans and take a look inside to what rose to the top every day. I want people to scan their can daily. If we take out the trash in our lives and our businesses daily, because why why do we? If we don't, it overflows. If in our kitchens, we have trash coming out of the garbage cans, it starts to impact our ability to get good nutrition and eat and feed and have communion in the place that we eat. It starts to go down the hallways, impacting the relationships with our children. For many of us, we put businesses in and around our houses. It starts to impact your business because the trash has to go somewhere. Yep. And guess what? The world puts trash in our lives every single day. We got to guard against that in a big way. Even now, especially now with all the digital information that's out there constantly filling us with this stuff. And so obviously we go through these pillars and give people a lot more frameworks on how to do this, the questions to ask and and where to guide. But again, if you feel like garbage at all in your life, you probably have trash that needs to get taken out. It's that simple. Damn, dude. Um, That hits me hard. I was triggered by something this morning. It's personal, so I won't, you know, put it out there, whatever, but I'm, I, I just, it triggered me what triggered me about it because it was the last time that thing was a, it was a picture that thing was the last time that i had a certain feeling towards something mm. and when i saw that picture this morning it pissed me off my reaction was to get after the person who pulled that picture out mm-hmm. it didn't do anything to me right yeah it's trash related maybe but it's certainly going to make me think about it which i think is awesome and i think a lot of people's trash as you say is holding them back from having the extraordinary life or it ability is. or experience that they want to have. That's huge. You said- Maurice, Can I highlight one thing real yes. fast? Because I think it's really important and I won't go deep yeah. in the challenge because I know you shared what you wanted to. So thank you for sharing that you got triggered and sort of what it was about. Yeah. When we get reactionary, particularly from a place of anger, resentment, frustration, anger is a secondary emotion. Meaning it's not a root emotion, meaning it is armor to protect something else. My anger existed because of my shame. My lack of self-worth and or the side that I was being checked on the other side were the areas I felt the need to protect. And what would I do? I would protect with elevated energy and anger because it pushes everything away from me. And so when I talk about armor, I talk about armor in three ways. And this is really, really important because I want people to hear this because if you can do this, you can lower your armor, then you will see that you can feel more. Because as humans, we all want four things. We want to feel safe. We want to feel protected. We want to feel seen and understood. And we want to feel connected. When we don't feel safe or protected, because those aren't the same thing, what do we do? We tend to protect ourselves. 
So let's just imagine to protect ourselves, we hold up a 35 gallon black trash bag because it's a nice little force field. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is Maurice, how can you properly portray who you are, what you intend, your energy, your intent, your emotion, your empathy, your compassion through a black opaque force field that you're holding in front of you to protect yourself? And how can you expect someone on the other side to see you and understand you or for you to see and understand them and to connect? So then let's just imagine, cool, that's one thing is that our armor immediately prevents the two things we want most, which is to be seen and understood and connected. So now let's hold these two trash bags. Let's take two heavy trash bags. You're going to take them out to the bin. You're a big, strong guy. If I told you to hold them out in front of you, how long could you hold them there? A long time. Yeah, you could hold them here for a while, right? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? The longer you hold them there, the heavier they get. And the more it starts incrementally crushing you. You hold two dumbbells out in front of you for 10 minutes, bro. Your shoulders are going to be ripped. You're going to be on fire. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's no different with our trash and our armor. We hold it out in front of us. So it automatically starts crushing us. And then the last thing that armor does, and again, anger is armor. But the last thing that armor does is there's two types of containers, just like there's two types of people in this world. There's trash cans with lids and trash cans without lids. So there's those that don't have lids and they keep pushing this stuff down because the world's told them to. They show up. But here's the thing. They don't have a lid, so it starts spilling over the top at some point. Literally, garbage gets dumped into their world, into their relationships, because they don't have a way to contain it. And so we know what those people are, right? They're the people that are always dramatic or always feeling things, yeah. or always out in there because they're not dealing with it. They're bringing people down. They're those energy vampires, we call them, but they're just hurting. Let's just call it what it is, right? And then there's people like me. I had a lid. I had a seal on my lid, and I had a key to my lid. Nobody's going to know I was carrying trash, brother. <laughs> Yeah. I threw that key away years yeah. ago. <laughs> but here's what happened. Every time I pushed more trash in, the pressure kept building. What I didn't realize is I was building a bomb that was going to blow up at some point, sending shrapnel and trash damage into everybody and around me because that's what would happen when I would react with anger. And wow. so the reality of it is, is our armor, those are the three things it does that prevent us, but it's our trash that causes us to have armor. So even in those moments that you start to feel armored, defensive, retreating, just ask yourself, what am I protecting against? What are you losing on the backside by doing that too? Bingo. It's, it's up to us. Um, there was, thank you. That's powerful. Just in the last few minutes, you talked about those five principles. I think they're super important. And I actually want to know more about them, just generally how you define them. I know it's yep. a much broader conversation. No, but it's okay. Cause we'll, we'll, we'll hit them quickly. Cause I want to yeah, hit them quickly because so folks so, can understand what they are. Awareness we hit out of the gate, right? We have to become aware so that we understand where to look, right? Yeah. Ownership is that piece where we start to shift into trying to convince ourselves that it is our fault, even when it's not, that we take ownership. And the only way we can do that is if we're objective and non-judgmental. But mm -hmm. ownership is also where we create repair. So when I identified my anger, that's where I had to start to create repair in those relationships by owning what my unintentional actions likely had done in the past, right? Because again, okay. if it's not coming from a position of blame or shame, and it's now from a place of awareness, your actions will prove how much you want it on the other side, but you start it by at least owning it externally, right? Flipping the lid is literally what we're going to do to actually just get people to look inside. What's risen to the top? What's making you feel like garbage, right? How did it feel in your body where we really start to understand that? Unpacking is when we start to go deep. Because when we unpack, it means we're now starting to remove layers layers of trash that we've combined and passed down, pushed down for years. 
So when we unpack, the reality of it is, is to remove trash to its absolute degree, we have to get to the source of the trash. Source of it. Yeah. Right. And so often this is where we help people really look back to the highs and lows in their life. Because when we unpack, we not only find the trash we need to remove, but often we have treasures that are hidden behind our trash. Mm -hmm. Right. For everything that my shame did to me, it also created lots of other positive things that produced outcomes that aligned with what I wanted in life. And right. so again, objective and non-judgmental. I don't want people blaming, but I want them to recognize that with all of this, there's just narratives. And there's, and like Ryan Holiday says, one of my favorite quotes, there is no good or bad without us. There's the event that happens and the story we tell ourselves about it. So when we unpack, we get to see that with clarity. Yep. And then move is the most That's important right. step because this is where we start to actually move, okay? Now, when I say pillars, they are not always linear, but they often can be. Sure. But they're also sure. ultimately become circular because you're going to have to do this regularly and consistently. But the move is where we identify where it moves through our body, where it's moving through our world, and how do we move through it. For shame, I have over five or six different ways it moves in my body and over 50 triggers that I'm aware of. For my anger, I have five or six different ways it moves through my body and over 70 triggers that I'm aware of. Now that I'm aware of those triggers, I can do a couple of things. One, get proactive in avoiding or putting myself in a position to understand what's going to come at me. Or two, know that I'm going to be triggered and that it's not about the moment in front of me. So now when my wife asks me a question that I might not hear correctly through my trash, I can pause long enough to say, hey, babe, I'm not sure that I heard you correctly. Could you please repeat the question? Because I got triggered by the way that I heard it the first time. And I don't think that's what you meant. And if I can't lower my energy right now, maybe we can pause long enough to revisit this later because I think it's an important conversation and my trash caused me to hear it incorrectly. I diffuse the whole situation by just my own ability to be aware and to be the observer and participant in my life real time. And my friend, that is how we create extraordinary lives. That is how we live without limits because we start to be able to remove the energy and resistance strains that we feel and makes us feel like garbage consistently by just by scanning our can real time. Wow. And then to my friends out there in podcast listening world, that is how you can try life on in a very, very different way than what we've been doing in the past. The stuff that really stuck with me, um, awareness, actually, I guess it's those five. One, being aware of certain issues, two, owning it. Uh, I love number four, the unpacking of it. Because, you know, as you were saying that, I can imagine the people you work with, or even maybe the people that are listening that now just have some self-awareness of certain things that they're dealing with, me included, when you start unpacking, you start to breathe again. Mm. You start to breathe again. You start to have energy again. You start to want to go do life in a different way. You start to, even as I'm sitting here and I was thinking about something, you start to want to go make amends with people that you were blaming for stuff that they had nothing to do in the first place. They were just the trigger. They weren't the reason for the, for the whole thing. They were just the trigger. Human behavior and human performance, uh, human behavior and high performance are things that I ran into maybe five years ago for a variety of reasons. And when I run into someone like you, honestly, if I would have met you 15, 20 years ago, I would have said it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Honestly. I would have too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we are, we are, and we have the capacity to be great. It is uncanny if you can just tap into the things. And I love the fact that you do that for yourself, for your family, for the people that you work with. Um, if I could ask you one parting question, 
what one piece of advice would you give people to try life on differently in a way that they think they can live if they can get there? I like really tangible examples to questions like this. Yeah. I want everybody to just create two lists. Get it. On, on one list, I want you to write down all the people, places, sources of information, things that you consume, environments that you go into that make you feel amazing, that lift you up, that you could spend eight hours there and it felt like one. You are so in the zone. You are so in flow. You can't wait to get back to that place, right? You can't get wait, wait to go back and see that person. And then I want you to create the counter list, all the places, people, sources of information, environments, things that you consume, that you go to that make you feel like garbage, that make you feel stuck, that make you want to slam your head into the wall day after day after day, that one hour feels like eight and you don't want to spend another minute there. What I find is everybody can actually create those lists, but very few people are aware of them before they create them. And all I want people to do is to start to incrementally reduce, remove, or diffuse as much on this negative list as you possibly can and spend more time on the positive side. If you do that alone, you will start to live a more extraordinary life. You will start to be able to be more unlimited and you will start to be more connected in ways than you ever imagined. And that might just cause you enough grace to flip open your own lid, start looking inside to see how you could take it even further. And for us to go live how we want and try life on even more. Brian, man, I, I was not in interviewer mode in this one. I was in, I need to hear everything this amazing gentleman has to say. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you for spending a little bit of time. Frankly, thank you for uplifting me because I'm on my own journey in certain respects. I've done okay, but I know I can do a lot more. And I think you just gave me a bunch of keys for me to drive other cars to go do it. So thank you very much for spending some time. And I hope to be able to talk to you soon when I come visit you my man you absolutely will brother thank you for building the platform to allow me to come and pour some good into the world and into you brother and uh i'm just looking forward to creating some more collective impact with you my friend absolutely oh um we didn't get into it but just tell people where they can find you real quick about the business and then we'll we'll break from there yep uh if you're a website person go to brianbogert.com and if you are on social media you can find us at, at bogert brian on any channel we love to engage with those that engage with us so even if it's not in a formal way just shoot us a DM and tell us your name. We love to really be able to connect. All right. There you have it, my man, Brian Bogert. I'll be talking to you soon. Everybody else out there, go out, try life on. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, this is Maurice, host of the Try Life On podcast. And thank you for listening to another episode. I hope you are finding it useful in helping you design your own lifestyle that you don't need a vacation from. If that's the case, please consider dropping a review for me, whether in Apple, iTunes, or in Spotify. Drop a review, put some stars on it. Give me some feedback on how I can make the podcast better, what information you are looking for. I am doing my best to get information to you on the Try Life on Principles, the five freedoms, how to build lifestyle, travel hacking, all of it. And I wanna do it for you. So please do a review for me. And until next time, my name is Maurice Philogene, and this is the Try Life on Podcast. Peace.